welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. The Bible says that go into the world and preach the gospel. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Verse 18 says that all power in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Oh, this is how I read my Bible. Did you see that word therefore there? Is it because? Because all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye because of that go. So we are going on the grounds of the fact that Jesus who sent us has all authority in heaven and on earth. So he told them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore because of this. Is it not interesting? So when I'm reading my Bible, these are the things I see that I I can't go for it. It's so nice to see these things. Go ye therefore into the, go ye therefore, therefore, and teach all nations. Teach, somebody say teach. Teach. So it doesn't matter your background, your culture, where you're coming from. Teach, he said teach all nations. Teach all nations. And then, the teachings that excludes baptism is not a complete gospel. He said, go into all nations, teach them baptizing. So what are you supposed to go and do to all nations? Teach. What are you supposed to go and do? Teach. You see, but you see, it's to use the word, they say, and baptize them. Teach, as you are teaching, but keep them, baptizing them. Be baptizing them. Be bapti- because as you are teaching, more people become baptized. Baptism must be an ongoing thing. But you get baptized only once. Once you are baptized, you continue to grow in the Lord. But baptism is an instruction from Jesus. So baptizing them in the name of the Father, not in the name of a church. Not in the name of a pastor. But in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. So baptism is important because it's an instruction from Jesus. Baptism. Everybody say baptism. Baptism. In Colossians, I think, chapter 2, verse 12. I think so. 2, 12. Let's see Colossians 2, 12. In Colossians, chapter 2. Ooh. Ooh. You so, so, before you go to chapter 2, verse 12, you, I have to, you have to look at, it's fair for you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Let's already allow. Let's go. Is that even when we were dead in trespasses, we were dead. Say we were dead. So I say I was dead. I was dead. Before you became born again, you were dead. Oh no, I wasn't in the mortuary. Yeah, yeah, we're walking dead. A dead man walking. Anyone who is not born again, what is he? A dead man walking. That's why you don't have to let a dead man influence the way you should live your life. 
his senses are dead. He's not, he's not, he's not really alive unto God. He doesn't have life. He just said, come unto me, all you will live, I'll give you rest. He doesn't have life, he doesn't have rest. He's a restless man. Some of you, all those kind of attacks and dreams and restlessness is because Christ is not really taking hold in your life. In Ephesians chapter 3 said that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. Can you imagine? And he was writing to believers. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. That Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. That Christ will dwell. About, is he not already? Yeah. To dwell there, another version says that to make home. To make his home. To be at home. Some of you, you are born again, but Christ doesn't feel at home in your heart. Christ might feel at home in your life. So if Christ is not in you, you don't have life. So the Bible says that we who were dead in our transgressions, ha, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in it. What happened to us? He made us alive together with Christ. He, he brought life. Oh, the Bible says that God who gives life to the dead. And that's resurrection right there. He's not, he's not talking about resuscitating. He's talking about resurrection. Someone is dead and God gives them life. Romans chapter 4 Verse 17 and 18, Abraham believed in God who gives life to the dead. Come on. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead. Ha! God gives, he has life. You can't give what you don't have. So Bible says that God gives life. Ah, that means God has life. That's why he can give life to the dead. Bible says that God gives life to the dead. God gives life. He said, we who were dead in our trespasses. You know what trespassing means? Yes. We are breaking the laws, going beyond the boundaries. How many of you have trespassed before? Oh. And we were dead. And not government trespass, not civic trespass. You are talking about divine. We've broken God's law. Said we were dead in trust. That's why sinners, what do sinners do? They sin. So instead of trying to tell somebody it's wrong to do this, it's wrong to sin, it's wrong to, it's a sin, it's a sin, get them born again. What do you expect of sinners? Which is different from maybe social misbehavior or vices. Vices, for instance, you are um, are abusing a little child. That's wrong. That one is, is not. It doesn't, you don't even have to bring God in. It's unacceptable. You're, you see somebody start slapping and beating the person. It's wrong, right? That's why there are laws. So then if you, if you are not even going to live by the laws of God, the laws of the land will not allow some things. Anything the law of the land doesn't allow, unless it's spiritual instruction, for instance, preach the gospel, and they say don't preach. That's a different story. But if it has not got to do with spreading the gospel, or doing the church, or serving God, and the law of the land does not allow, for instance, if the law of the land does not allow you to, um, to speed, then speeding is also not allowed by God. Oh, God have mercy on all of us. <laughs> well, are you getting what I'm saying? But, so we are dead in our transgressions. We, you are going around telling a sinner Stop sleeping with your boyfriend is a sin. Excuse me. Stop being that religious. That's the problem with religious people. You are telling you, God said don't do it. But what has that got to do with it? If your God is saying don't do something, why are you telling me? What has that? If your God prohibits something, what has that got to do with my life? The law of the land doesn't prohibit it. 
I've not done anything wrong because sin is a sin. But it's very important to understand. Let's stop telling people about sin. Let's tell them about Christ. Wait, 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 wait. What did Christ, what, what do we tell them about Christ? Christ died for our sins. So why, does that mean we should continue sinning? That, that's not what we are talking about. We are talking about there's, there's forgiveness of sin for you. Doesn't matter what you have done. That sin can be forgiven by God, not by. Even if men don't forgive, God can still forgive you. Because God is who matters. See, we have to tell people about Christ. Not even just about church. Tell them about Christ. They don't want to know it. But those who, according to Acts chapter 13, as many as were appointed to eternal life were saved. Or believed. They went to preach. Other people didn't believe what they are, they are saying. But there are people who have been appointed unto eternal life. Acts chapter 13 from verse 40, yeah, 48. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, what did they do? They believed. Why did they believe? Because God has appointed you. You'll be saved. You, you'll be saved. You, so you see, you are doing church. Your friend said, I don't do church. But maybe they are going to hell. God has not determined to save, but you, God has planned to save you. Don't follow, don't, don't, don't judge your Christian life by other people's Christian life. As many as were appointed unto eternal life. And so sometimes the reason why some people behave the way they behave when you preach to them and they, are, they are attack you they, is because they have not been appointed to eternal life. John chapter 6 verse 44, Bible Jesus said, no one can come to the Father uh, to me except the Father draws him. See, no one can come to me unless God himself who sent me draws him. So if God has not draw, drawn you, you will come to church, but you will not, church will not be in you. Oh, I know what someone was saying. Okay, maybe, maybe God has not called me. Maybe You are not here by accident. So don't uncall yourself. The calling is not yours. God is the one. The call, the call is God has a copyright on it. The call is God's calling. It's not your calling. You don't have a calling. He called you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, verse 19, verse 18, talks about the hope of his calling, not my calling. It's his calling. He chooses who he will call. When you have a phone, you choose who you will share that video with, right? Sometimes you share this one, this one. No, I won't share this one. I won't share this one. You choose who are you going to make a call to. The eyes of your Nazarene, that you may know what is the hope of what? His calling. God is the one who calls you. Don't bang the phone on God. If you bang the phone of God, you've be, on God, you've betrayed your future. I mean, I don't do religion. No one is asking you to do religion. Do God. Do God to get this your message sorted out into a message. Tell somebody, it looks like this guy is talking to you. All right. So it says that you who were dead in your transgressions, he has made alive. You can't, you can't make yourself alive. We were dead, but he, he has made us alive. How did he make us alive? Together with Christ. That's why it was necessary for Christ to uh, rise from the dead. Because if he had not come alive, we couldn't have come. So we were dead. So he had to die, come to our level, so he can rise with us. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's in your Bible. So 
he, there's something, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is very interesting. I, I don't need you to, I need you not to miss what I'm about to share because it's very deep. I'm about to share some interesting stuff here. What were, was our state? We were dead in transgressions. So a dead man can make himself alive. And no one can make a dead person apart from God. He gives life to the dead. Wow. God gives life to the dead. So the Bible says that you, we, and we who were dead in our transgression, has he made alive? How? With Christ. By grace we are saved. It's in parenthesis. So you can parenthesis. So you can leave it out. But the point is, he made us alive. How did he make us? Together with Christ. So what does he mean together with Christ? Christ also died. When he died and he was being resurrected, he didn't resurrect alone. So we are talking about the resurrection life. Now, this is not where I was coming. I just passed through here, but I took my time to explain. It's nice to explain the text, isn't it? Took my time. Now look at the next verse. He didn't just make us alive together with him. Watch this. And he raised us up together. Together, say together. together. And made us sit together in heavenly places. In ah, So when you are born again, you've been made alive. You've been raised up. So we are made alive with Christ. Raised up with Christ and seated with Christ. So that's why when you are born again, you are not just an earthly person. You are a heavenly person living an earthly life. How are you able to do it successfully? By feeding your spirit. So that you can be taking your nourishment from above, Christ, through his word. So when you are born again, your case is different from the one who is not born again. The one who is not born again is struggling with addiction. You who are born again, the addiction cannot, should not be your struggle. Because you are living a heavenly life. The it, Bible says that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead and seated him far above principalities. So where is Christ seated? Far, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. The power at which is awake. Where that raised Christ, the power that raised Christ from the dead, verse 19, and then verse 20, raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in where? In heavenly places. What kind of heaven? Look at the next verse. How did he describe that? Far above, let's read that together. Far above what? All principalities. How many principalities? You know what principalities are? Principalities means principles and princes. Prince. That's where you get it. Prince. Principalities. Principles. There are principles that are governing your life. Christ was raised in heavenly place far above all principalities and power and might. And you know dominion? Something that is dominating you. Dominion. You have, when you have dominion. Things that have dominion in life. You, Christ is raised far above those things. And seated him at the right hand of the Father above principalities, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the that to come. Any name. Spirit of lie. Some of you, your problem is the lies, the lies, the lies, the lies. You can lie like a devil. Name. Gave him, raised him far above principalities. And guess what? I've been teaching on this. And gave him to be the head. Of, of everything. <laughs> Look at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him. So when he raised him, seated above principalities and powers, then he put everything under his feet. And after he has done that, he gave this man with everything under his feet to be the head over all things for the church. Don't, don't dare temper with the church. But the good news is that when he raised him from Ephesians chapter 2, we realized that we were also verse 6. 
he made us sit together. So he said, Jesus is not sitting there alone. We are, see, you are here by your cities. <laughs> your city is in heaven. There are people you meet on the road, they are parliamentarians, they have a seat. You may see them, but they have a seat. Be careful how you handle them. They have a seat in the house of common. And so people must be careful. And you also be careful how you treat other believers. Because they have a seat. When your family is struggling and maybe as for your family, everybody is uh, an addict or something. Everybody is uh, suffering mental health. Everybody goes through that. No, 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 no. Listen, you are now seated. You have a seat above. So you are above all those rules and dominion and power. Yes. Stop that kind of confession that I don't know why in our family nobody do that well in mass. Now that you are born again, don't add yourself to that class. Maybe you still, after being born again, you have not seen seen the manifestation of doing well in maths. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's there. The seed is there already. Because God God has downloaded himself and his abilities into you when you are born again. You can't say, as for me, I can't marry and have good marriage. No. Once you are born again, you can't. You have have what it takes to be a good mother. You have what it takes to be a good uh, father. You have what it takes to be, a, even though maybe your, your, it wasn't modeled to you. Your fatherhood was never modeled to you. Or motherhood was never modeled properly to you. Because you are born again, the seed is there. How do you cause it to flourish? By listening to the word of God over and over. The seed is already there. So as you listen to the word of God, it begins to nourish it and makes it grow. And that ability of God inside you, it is God. Bible says it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of it. So God must work in you for you to be able to do what pleases God. You can't do it unilaterally. Is somebody learning something? These are are basics. ABCs of Christianity. ABCs. ABCs. Nowadays, people go to church and they don't have a clue of this. They don't know Romans. Talking about Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 5. These these are basic. Listen, I think maybe I have to keep it through Romans. Because I don't want us to just come and have church and go. We, we must have church inside. Yes. You, you, must, you must be a master of, at least to a certain dimension, you must be very familiar with what the word says. You, on, on fundamental issues of Christian faith, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be, uh, to have, to be justified? These this are basic things that that is where it starts from. How come people have been in church? Some of you, you know uncles who are even pastors who don't even know what it means to be justified. Because it's very foreign to their kind of, their version of Christianity. Especially the black people. Because we are suffering with poverty so much that we just want God, bless me. I am in your presence now. Bless me now. I'm in your presence. Bless me now. I am in your presence, oh, bless me now, I am in your presence, oh, bless me now. And all you think about is success, all you think about is breakthrough, all you think about is gain, gain. The same, my problem is the same thing unbelievers pursue, it's the same thing we are pursuing but in church. We've come to church to pursue a boy, we've come to church to pursue a girl, you've come to church to pursue success. What's wrong with you? 
church is not for that. Yeah. But when you work with God, your life will show. Yeah. Success becomes a natural, uh, an automatic, a default outcome. Mm-hmm. Say, I mean, how can you be? Can you imagine Jesus Christ sick? Was lying in bed. Jesus, oh, hey, we are waiting for Jesus. Is, oh, he's sick. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if Jesus had? It couldn't have married physically because that would have been polygamy. That, that's why, that's why he didn't marry. So tell all those ignorant people who make their noise. That Jesus couldn't marry because he came for a wife. Right. That's but, but let's even assume that Jesus, let's say a stream case scenario, Jesus had a wife. Let's say he married physically. You can imagine Jesus Christ beating his wife. Oh. Jesus Christ maltreating his mouth or cheating on his wife. Some of, some of these things, you know, it's not possible. So then if you are in Christ, you have the same Christ seed. If Jesus had to write an exam, do you think he would have failed mass? <laughs> or English? Or any subject? Fishermen called him master. Think about it. He was a carpenter. But fishermen call him, Luke chapter 5, verse 5 or so. Fishermen call him master. We have talked all night. We have talked all night. He was teaching them where to fish. He's a carpenter. And he's standing at the shore. And they're washing their nets. And he told them, can I use your boat? Well, if you meet this boat, I'm not interested. Some of you are doing church now because... You have given up on life. No boy likes me. All right. It's a good starting point. It's okay. Every one of us, something can drive us to God. Different things can drive people to God. Different things. So you never write off anybody. Different things can drive people to God. And you never know. Maybe this person I'm talking about is going to be a great bishop. Never know. You can't write off anybody. Yeah. I will say something before I talk about this guy. Then. Huh? Yes. So they were, he said, Give me your boat and let me use your boat. They said, Okay, you can have the boat. Because I mean, business is not working. Uh, someone, uh, Andrew. Uh, the guy said he wants the boat. That preacher guy. Hey, this church guy. Hey, preacher, have it. And he stood in the boat and preached. Because he was preaching, people were coming. He needed to go off so that people can get access to him. But everybody was thronging him. So he went, and then when he sat in the boat, he told them, push it into the water a little bit. I was telling him, preach from there. And when he finished, he said to Simon, Simon, now launch into the deep for a catch. Launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. A catch? See, listen, we have been fishermen from our youth. We know the best time to catch fish, and we know the territory to, to, uh, to let the net. We have toiled all night. That's the best time to, because fish won't see the net. So in the night, they will come, and you can catch a lot when you do night. night those who like sleeping all night really will not succeed properly. In the, uh, True success will cost you some sleep. 
You sleep all night. And I, say, I don't know why I'm failing exam. Ask your bed. <laughs> it's like someone said, I don't know why I keep putting on weight. Ask your microwave. <laughs> Uh, 3 a.m., you are going to warm chicken. Oh. <laughs> well, with milkshake. <laughs> and you are telling me, I, I don't, you don't know why you are growing fat. Ask your microwave. <laughs> but fishermen call him master. Master, we have told all night. Master, we have told all night, but at your word. Because you are master. So, you can't be walking closely with Jesus and be failing. Because he is master. Do you understand what I mean? Jesus is master. So, you will not fail. Amen. Say, I will not fail. I will not fail. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Make sure you add that bit. The in Jesus' name yeah. is a defining factor. Yeah. Say, I will, I will not fail. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. So, he said, he raised, made us alive together, raised us together, and seated us together in Christ Jesus. Now, you remember Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, before we went to Ephesians. Buried, ah, now, now. This is very interesting. Now, I told you I was going to say something very interesting. You have to watch this. Where are we? Where is our? Do you have a seat if you are in Christ? Do you have a seat? Yes. Where is your seat? Heavenly place. How do you get there? Huh? How did you get a seat after you became born again? Because we were raised up together with him. We were made alive together with him. And then what? Raised up together with him. And then what? Seated in heaven together with him. That's three. We were made alive together. Is there? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. He, he made us alive. Even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. Is that all? The next verse. And he raised us up together with him. Is that all? And he made us sit together with him in heavenly places. And we have already realized in heavenly places where he's seated. Far above principalities and powers. Uh, principality, power, dominion, and authority. It's all under him. Might, same. So, if we are seated there, where did the process start? But now, when you look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 11, hmm. say in him. In Christ, you were also circumcised with circumcision made without hands. When God appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, Isaac had not yet been born. Because in Genesis chapter 15, God came to him and he said to him, one from your loins will be your descendant. Now he's going to inherit. Abraham said, okay, God said, I am your reward, verse 1. I am your shield and your exceedingly reward. And then Abraham's question was, but 
seeing that, how would you do for me, seeing that I don't have a child or a foreigner? He had, Abraham had a slave in the house or a servant in the house, Eliezer, his son, her son from Damascus. So, so Eliezer of Damascus is going to inherit. Said, After all, God said, do not be afraid of your vision. Look at the verse 2. And then Abraham brought the matter of, brought up the issue of inheritance. Lord, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of the, why should this inherit me? I don't have a child. God said, I'm your reward and your, uh, and your, uh, shielding, uh, your shield and uh, a great reward. And he said, but what would you see that I have no child? I'm childless. And a foreigner is going to inherit all these things that you are giving me. I said, no, 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 don't say you are childless. You're, he will not inherit you. A child from your body. Ah, me? Look at, look at the verse. And behold, the word of the Lord came to you. This, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall. Ah, me? How can I have a child? Because before I met you, my wife has been barren. And we are now old. In our 60s. In our 60s. Abraham was 66 years old. And I don't have a child. And now you are telling me. He was so sure that he's done and dusted. And God said, no, a child shall come from your loins. Look at the next verse. Then he brought him out outside and said, look not uh, look, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, God said to Abraham, can you count the, the stars? Oh, I can't count them, there are too many. Not the kind of ones in London. And when you go to some places, you see stars properly. <laughs> Counted them. It's too many, I can't count everywhere, I can't count. And God said, what? What did God say? So my descendants, I am childless, and already my descendants, descendants are... You see, sometimes we focus too much on what you don't have. It's better you focus on what God is saying. But what you don't have is subjective. And you are limited by what you can see and what's going on around you. But when God gets involved, the limitation is lifted. So, how can I have a child? I don't have a child. And he said, no, 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 no. Listen, count this down. Come out, come out. Do him out. Can you number the stars? Count them. No, I can't count them. There's this God, I can't count. He said, okay, so shall your seed be. You know what Abraham did? Verse 16, you would think verse 16 would say something. Look at that. And he believed the Lord. And Huh? He believed that? How can you? You are 66, you don't have a child. Or you are in your 60s, you don't have a child. Even when you are 27, you couldn't have a child. Now that God is telling you, do you believe it? Come on. Some people will say, me, I'm not a child. I won't believe. It's not everything I can believe. That's where you are, where you are. Because God works with belief. When you believe God, you authorize him to operate in your life. God cannot operate in your life without your faith. Okay, if there is God, come on, forget about that childish petita. If there is God, let him him cause one of the chandelier lights to fall. He, he, He won't do it. If there is God, when I open my bag, let me see 20 pounds. He won't do it. Where is he going to bring your 20 pounds from? He doesn't cut 20 pounds. He doesn't cut money. So why are you asking God that kind of stuff? If God, if you're really with me, let my ex-boyfriend call me. You see, Bible says, an adulterous generation always asks for signs. 
you know, do you know, do you know what it means to be adulterous? What does it mean? What does it mean, my darling? Do you know what it means? Adulterous. Yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, when you are committed to somebody. So when you are married and you are sleeping with somebody, that's, an, that's adultery. Okay. You have a commitment to this one. Why are you cheating on this one by going? That's an adulterous. An adulterous generation is not committed to one thing. Their commitment is dictated by their convenience at the moment. So in Matthew chapter 16, a wicked and adulterous generation seek after a sign. They always want, give me something, show me something. And a sign shall not be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Give us a sign. Give, give me a sign. He said, the son of the, do you know the prophet Jonah? He was, he was swallowed by a whale and died. My book of Bible stories don't tell you jo, Jonah died. Jonah died. He was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. He died. How can you survive five hours in the belly of a whale? He died. I'll give you another text to prove it. Chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 38, 39. It's there. I might I might teach you something. No, listen. But he answered and said, okay, go, go to the next verse, the verse before. Verse 38. 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Teachers, we want to see a sign from you. Is that not what some of you have been asking for? Wow. You want a sign from God? You want a sign? Look at what Jesus said. His comments. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign. Adulterous. You don't have a commitment. Evil means that they are bent on doing what they want to do. There's no proper commitment. That's why you're asking. When people are asking for signs, 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 it's because they lack commitment. When it comes to dealing with God, you don't ask for signs. You ask for instructions. And then when, when you obey the instructions, then you will see his hand. He says... An, an evil and adulterous generation, flaky, not no commitment. They are commitment to they are committed to A, but when B is available, they go. Once it's working, it's convenient for them. And an, an evil and adulterous generation ask for a sign. They seek a sign. I'm trying, show me something. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. Okay, if it's you, if it's really want me to change, let the pastor as he's preaching, let him come and stand right in front of me and hold my head and shake my head. <laughs> what, what for? Some of the things that people ask from God is unreasonable and it's unrealistic. Unrealistic. But why do you want that? Do you actually want to obey God? Why don't you attempt to obey him and see? Obey him and see. Instead of asking him before I do, show me. He won't do it. He won't do it. Because God doesn't have to prove himself to you. Why must God prove? Who are you? Even the queen will not come and prove that I'm a queen to you. God, God must prove himself. Yeah. You have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. <laughs> so he said, do you know the sign that will be given to this generation, an evil generation? The sign of prophet Jonah. Now look at the sign. He said, this one, he said it. He said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Easter story. He said, that's your sign. Easter story. That's the sign. 
he was crucified. He died for three days, three nights, he resurrected again. That's the sign. That's the sign. If you can't have faith in me, forget it. Forget it. So Abraham, God said, look, 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 look. look." He said, God, what would you do? He said, "Uh, this is how your descendants would be. And the Bible said that. And Abraham believed God. Wow. Someone say, I believe God. I believe God. Say it again. I believe God. I believe God. Before you, you say it, I don't know what state you are in in your life. There are things that are going on in your life that will require the hand of God. Sometimes it looks like it's not possible. But you are going to say, I believe God again. You are going to put your mind on that situation and say, I believe God. Are you ready? Say, I believe God. I believe God. Say it again. I believe God. I believe God. Say for the last time. I believe God. Has it got to do with your health? Has it got to do with your future? Has it got to do with your marriage? Has it got to do with your career? Has it got to do with your ministry? Shall I believe God? Anytime the devil threatens you and you're afraid of how things will turn out, you just have to cast your mind on God and say, I believe God. Paul, they were in high seas and on a shipwreck and people haven't eaten for 14 days or so. They've been in 14 days, but people couldn't eat properly. So, and the Bible says that after 14 days, Paul stood up in Acts chapter 27, verse from 21, somewhere there. He stood up and he told them that, but after long abstinence, Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not to have sailed from Crete and to have incurred this disaster and lost. Let's take the next verse. However, and now I urge you to take heart, for there shall be no loss of life amongst you, but only the ship. Look at the next verse. Ah. Do you know why he's saying that? He said, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Right. One day when crisis hits, who will you say you serve? Oh. In the midst of crisis, what will be your point of reference for deliverance? God sent an angel, to, a prophet to go, a prophet Elijah to go and tell Hezekiah that get your house in order. You are about to die. This sickness, you are sick unto death. In Isaiah chapter um, 38, this sickness is unto death. And Bible said that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. And the, the, the content of his prayer was what is interesting. Verse 3. Say, remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I walk before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. Ah. In the day of trouble, would you be able to make this kind of claims? Would you be able to say, I've served God faithfully. I've paid a price. God, remember me. I've done these things for you. What, what have you done for God? What price have you paid for God? You are walking around like a village champion. What price have you paid for God? In the day of crisis, what was going to be your reference point to claim divine intervention? What's going to be your reference point? When you are in crisis, when all hell breaks loose on you, when the doctors say that you have only a few days to live, or you have a few months to live, that will, be, that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Yeah. And the doctors say you have a few months to live. When everything is collapsing in your life, and you really need the help of God, what will be your point of reference for demand? You say, oh God, if you are there, please, please, at that time, that kind of prayer doesn't work. I have to go to church. Please, can you ask the pastor to pray for me? See, that's what people do. They are looking for pastors. Why don't you build equity? Build equity in God. So in the day of crisis, God will look at your suffering. Bible says that for God is not unrighteous to forget your labor. Oh, come on. 
Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget. So when you do some things for God, he will, he will remember. If he forgets, it's unrighteousness. It's not right for God to forget your labor. What, who are you serving? Are you serving the church? Are you serving anybody in church? Are you serving the people of God? Are you, he says that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. And what, what he said, and, uh, uh, which you have shown towards his name. How did I show love towards your name? In that you ministered to the saints. Saint means church people. You mean, what does it mean to minister? Serve! That's what it means. When you are busy doing ushering, when you are busy doing choir, when you are busy doing camera, when you are busy coming early to set out the place, clean the place, these are all different ways you can serve God and serve the people of God. He said, Lord, remember me. Remember me on what grounds? My labors, my sacrifices, my sacrifices, rehearsal upon rehearsal. That's why it's so stupid to play instruments in church and collect money. You've been paid. God doesn't owe you anything. But why don't you let God owe, God owe you? When God owes you, he will pay you hefty. Hefty, heavily. You are blessed. Amen. I said you are blessed. Amen. So Abraham, God told Abraham, and Abraham said that, and Abraham believed Why did I get into this? Abraham believed God. That's not the end of the story. Do you see the end of the story? What does he say? That he is God. He believed and God credited that believing for righteousness. So do you know what righteousness? Righteousness means right behavior. God said, your believing has put you in the realm of someone who has always been behaving right. Even though your behavior might not be perfect, because of your belief, I account it for you as right behavior. That's the same thing we read in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Before whom, in whom we believe. Before God, in whom we believe. God, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls the things that be not as though they were. God will call things that are don't exist. But, so when you have a conversation with God, you can be confused if you are not in the spirit. Because God will be calling, the, the, he will be talking to you and talking about your twins, your twins and, you know, the other time when I saw your boat, it was very nice one. The second one you are buying. And you're wondering, but what? I don't even have a car, but what is he talking about? See, he, talk, he calls things that be not as though they were. Because God is operating in a realm that human beings are limited. So we don't realize. So most of you, the way, the reason, the reason why you are saying you are depressed is because you don't know what is working for you. There's so much going for you in God. So Abraham believed God and it was, that's a very interesting word. It was very interesting. It was accounted. Do you see that word? Account. It's like you have an account they put in your account. Or it was considered. That in itself was not righteous. Just because there's no righteous work. Because belief is a condition of the heart. But because he believed God, God accounted that. Yeah, is that? Counted it to him for righteousness. So in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, before God, who gives life to the dead, uh, calls those things which be done as though they were. And Abraham, against verse 18, against hope. 
believed. Oh, who contrary to? See, sometimes you have to dare believe. Yeah. I know maybe your parents' marriage is on the brink of collapse, but it's like there's no hope. No, you can believe God against hope. That, that's what it means. So there's no hope, but you can still believe against that negative hope or that hopeless condition. You can believe contrary to that hopeless condition. Do you, do you understand that? So that's what it means to against hope. Because there is so, okay, it's like I want to stand here and carry all these speakers on my head. You know, you, know, you, know, you know, that's against hope. But Abraham believed in hope against what common sense said cannot be. Once God said it, he believed so to believe what God is saying, which sometimes may look like against common sense, that is hoping against hope. So the Bible said, who contrary to hope, believed in hope. So, so in hope, he believed, hoping that what God has said was true. So he chose a different hope. Even though it's not possible, he hoped towards what God has said. Wow. Do you understand that? Who, in, in, uh, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations. What? According to that which was spoken. What was spoken? Do you remember? So shall your seed be the stars. So his faith was based on that statement. God said, this man, how my seed shall be? Well, I'll take it. I'll work with it. That's what it means. You don't have to see before you believe. You have to believe in order to see. When it comes to God, you don't have to see before you believe. You have to believe in order to see. When it comes to God, seeing is not believing. It's rather the other way around. Believing is seeing. Jesus said, John chapter 11, verse 44. Did I not tell you? Jesus said that. Jesus said, uh, sorry, um, verse 40, 40, 41. That's 40. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will do what? See. Did you see that? You see that? You see that? You have to believe in order to see. It's not the seeing to believe. Thomas said in John chapter 20. He said, unless I see him and I put my finger in his wounds, I will not. John chapter 20 from verse 25 somewhere there. He said, unless I see him. Thomas said, unless I see, unless I So he said unto them, unless I see him, uh, I see his hands and print of the nails and put my finger in the, if the person is already wounded, why would you even put your finger there? Put my finger into the print of the nail and put my hand in his side. Where they cut, you want to put your hand there to, before you can know that it's real Jesus. He said, unless I do that, I will not believe. I will not. Then in the verse 29, Jesus said, Thomas, here am I. He, didn't, he said, put your hand. Jesus said, Verse 28, he said, put your hand, do that. Put your hand, come. Reach out your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your, ha- your hand here. Put it in my, into my side. Do you, uh, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Don't stop there. Then Thomas, <laughs> Thomas answered and said unto him, Lord, he was the first person to call him my God. Peter said, you are the son of God. But one of the first people to call Jesus God is Thomas. He said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, you are now saying because you have seen. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen. 
So don't mind those who say seeing is believing. I understand what they mean. And when it comes to working with God, if God, if you know God said in his word, he'll give you a good husband and a glorious marriage. Don't say, but I don't have anybody. And so let me leave. Let me try. No, 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 no. Believe God. You will see it. So he said, did I not tell you that if you believe, the condition is belief, you will see the glory of God. You want to see the glory of God? What are you waiting for? Stop believing God then. Believing God is putting yourself in the highway of the glory of God. When you believe God, you will see the glory of God. Believe God. Believe God. He came to the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus. And, you know, when he met Martha, verse 23, John chapter 11. And then Martha said, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, don't worry, he'll rise again. He said, yeah, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the, the last day or whatever. The last day. Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he's dead, he shall live. And then look at the next verse. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he shall not see them. Look at the next verse. Do you believe this? Mm-hmm. Said to him. Go, go before, be, 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 26. Verse 26. Whoever lives there, do you believe this? That, that is a major question God keeps asking you. If you don't believe God, you won't take a step and commit your life to Jesus. So I have a small belief, my friend, my friend, my friend. If the Bible says, even if you have a small belief, faith as master seed, you will say to the mountain. So if faith is small, it will show. It will always show. Because small faith can do great things. Small faith can be evidenced in big steps. When you have faith, you have to take a step. He said, do you believe this? He said, yes, Lord. Jesus is asking somebody, do you believe I can help you? Do you believe I can deliver you from this addiction? Do you believe I can deliver you from this crisis in your family? Do you believe I can help your mom? Do you believe I can, I can save your father? Do you yeah. believe this? Do you believe this? Do you be, don't come to church and just come and have a good time. Come to church, build your faith and then believe God. Yeah. Believe God. Believe God. So you can see his glory. Believe God for your health. It's about time you start believing God. You, I know you have doctors, you believe in your doctors, but believe God too. Why don't you believe God for your health? Believe God for your healing. Believe God for your academic excellence. Believe God. Believe God. Someone shout, I believe God. I believe God. Some of you are saying it's convenient. Say it with conviction. I believe God. Let me quickly backtrack, I'll go back to where I started so that I can. Uh, uh, so Abraham, in Genesis chapter 16, he tested the work equipment on his maid servant. Because he was 66. Yes. And Sarah, the wife, said, you know what, Abraham, God said you have a child. But me, my womb is not producing a child. So that's my, those days is normal, okay? You can give your maid servant to your husband. And then when your husband... Washes, uh, washes, when she washes your husband's feet and she conceives, the baby is yours. Because those days, that's how they practiced. So he said, well, Abraham, go into Hagar. And Abraham said, you know, I've been waiting for you to talk about that for a while. That's a very good idea. Sarah said, maybe next week, Sarah, no, how about we should do it quickly so that... <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So Abraham, Sarah brought the idea. Abraham embraced the idea. And Abraham went into Hagar. And guess what? 
Yippee. Pop. She gets pregnant. So Abraham was fertile. Yeah. His spermatozoa was active. He had a lot of it at the age of 66. His spermatozoa was productive. Could fertilize an egg. Yes. So then the problem was no Abraham. So that's as it so if God said, I'll make your descendants like the stars. So you can start it. And God, because he did that, God withdrew from Abraham. God, Abraham, you went the wrong way. Why did you, why did you have to try that? And he produced Ishmael. And God withdrew from Ishmael. Withdrew from Abraham. So for 13 years, there was silence. God didn't come to Abraham. Then when Abraham was 66 plus 13, what? 79? Really? Okay, so it wasn't 66 then. It's 86. No, it says in that. Let's look at chapter 16. It will tell you the age. When Abraham was. And Abraham was how, long, how old? 80, so I'm wrong. It's 86, not 60. I'm, please for, forgive me. It's 86. So Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. 80, eight, not 66, 86. Yeah. And for 13 years, there's no record of God's interaction with him. Because that's not the plan of God. It might seem to be working, but is that the plan of God? Are you not going in the wrong direction? Don't you think you are going in the wrong direction? Because why have you stopped hearing the voice of God? The direction you are going, it has affected your church attendance. It has affected your sacrifice. It has affected your service in God, in church. So watch it. Because God might redraw and will not be speaking. Look at the next verse. Oh, this is chapter 17, verse 1. Uh, Do you see that? How old was he now? 13 years of silence. So when he was 99, God appeared to Abraham and said, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Don't go down that line again. See, God doesn't give up on people. Tell somebody, this one is for you. God doesn't give up on you. Tell them, God doesn't give up on anybody. So you are not permitted to give up on yourself. God came to Abraham. He said, I'm almighty. Walk before me and be perfect. And then God said, look at the next verse. Quickly. And I'll make my covenant between me and you. And I'll multiply you. Quickly. Let's move on. Then Abraham fell on the face on his face, and God talked with him, saying, then God gave him all the promise before me, covenant with you and all that. And he says that, now this is what you're going to do. This is, where, this is why I came to this text. So I actually came to this text because of chapter 17, not chapter 15 we read, chapter 16 we read, but just to spice it out. So you can, be, you can have a holistic yes. understanding of where the whole thing is coming from. All right. So God said that, now I want to st- establish covenant with you. You have to be circumcised. God told them to circumcise. But when you circumcise a person, you are cutting skin. So what happens? Bleeding. Because there cannot be a covenant without blood. So God says that I'm, I'm going to establish a covenant. That's what chapter 17 said. My covenant will be with you. And I'm going to enter into a covenant with you. And every male child that is born in your line must be circumcised. As soon as he's circumcised, it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. So he doesn't have to go to school or do a course or do behave. Once you are circumcised, you are part of the Abrahamic covenant. So all Jews are supposed to be circumcised, the male. 
So once the male are circumcised, the female are covered. So you can't be with a man who is not circumcised. So when Goliath was threatening Israel, David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now does that make sense? In, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, from verse 30 something there, David said, who is this uncircumcised? That means, see, so it doesn't mean that David went to watch him bath. So he saw his, he, he saw him, his nakedness, nakedness. No, but that statement means you are not in a covenant with God. All right. You are not. So how do you validate the Abrahamic covenant in your life? You must be circumcised. Are you getting it? So circumcision was a key into the covenant with God. Now, when we are born again, we are not supposed, we are also supposed to be circumcised because you have to be in covenant with God. But not physical circumcision. So Colossians chapter 2. Verse 10 and 11. That's where we are coming from, remember? In him you were also... Oh! You who are not Jews, you also have a... You have been circumcised. How? You were circumcised with circumcision not made with hands. So there wasn't a physical incision or physical cut. Because those ones are circumcised made with... Circumcision made with hands. By your own, there has been a spiritual circumcision. You were circumcised with, uh, 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 with circumcision made without hands mm-hmm. by putting off the body of, uh, of the sins of the flesh mm. by the circumcision of Christ. How do you put, out the bo- put off the body of... See, I told you, foreskin was like the sin. So you take away the foreskin, then you can have a relation with God. So he's saying that you too you have been circumcised by the putting away of the body of sin. How do you do that? Look at the next verse. Ah. We were raised together with him. Oh, now you see where his guest was coming from. So we, he made us alive together with him, raised us together with him, and seated us together with him. But before then, he says that we buried with him how? So if you haven't been buried with him, how are you going to be raised with him? You are born again and you are not baptized. Because your baptism is a sign of circumcision. You don't need physical circumcision. We've gone past that. Because this whole thing is spiritual. So as soon as you are born again, you must be circumcised. A circumcision is a sign that I've been, I'm in a covenant with God. But you have to, there must be something physical to do. So when you get baptized, it means that I've now been buried. That's why you come back. When you are being baptized, you must be buried. See, see, the, see the sense in going underwater? Because it's a sign of burial. You don't bury a dead person by sprinkling sand. God did. So sprinkling water, that is why we don't endorse sprinkling of water as baptism. We don't endorse sprinkling of water. It must, you must go, bury. Baptism means to be immersed into something. That's right. So it says that buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised. Ah, I see the raising. So before you are talking about raising, you must talk about the baptism, burial. We are raised with him through faith uh, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So baptism is a sign. 
Now let me add one more text and then we can, we can clap. <laughs> In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, 5, and 6, I love this one. Before you go there, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, verse 41. And 3,000 of them, and they believed, and 3,000 of them were baptized the same day. Verse 41. And then those who gladly received the word were baptized. Ah. As soon as they received the word, what happened? They baptized them. And there were about 3,000 people. Because as soon as you have received the word, it means that I've accepted Jesus into my life. What word were they talking about? The word of Jesus. The word, the gospel, about Jesus dying for our sins and saving us. Once they receive it, say, okay, then you have to be baptized. In Acts chapter 8, Ethiopian Enoch, he said, do you understand what you are reading in verse 30? He said, how can I understand except somebody explains it? And the Bible says that he was reading from Isaiah. And from that same scripture, Philip explained to him, talked to, to preach to him about Christ. I think verse 40, 34 or 35 or something. Um, yeah, 30, 36, 37. The Bible says that then as they were going, 36, as they were going, the Ethiopian, you know, now as they went, the Eno said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Listen. He is asking, what hinders me from being baptized? Mm. You are in a church, we are announcing baptism, and you are hindering yourself from being baptized. Oh. That means that maybe you are not properly born again. Wow. When the guy was converted, born again, he said, what stops me from being baptized? Please, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. It's not just a tra- church tradition. It carries spiritual significance. What are some of the significance it carries? In Romans, that's the Romans, and then I'm done, okay? Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Let's all read it out from the screen. Is it, are you ready? Is it okay to read it? Please try and read it out loud. Let's read it out. Let's go. That itself is enough. He said, therefore, what happens to you when you are baptized? You are buried with Christ. Why should I be buried with Christ? Well, why should I? No, 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 it's important. Because Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says that I'm crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. That's what it means to be born again. I've crucified, I'm crucified. Tell your ex, I've been crucified. Your old boyfriend, your old girlfriend is a different person. This is not, I'm the same, I speak the same, but I've been crucified with Christ. And he said, but but I can see here, nevertheless I live. He said, yeah, but yet not I. Ah! Then they'll tell you, are you going mad? No, I'm not going mad. He said, I live, yet not I. Oh, come on. Some of you must be able to tell some people, I live, yet not I. I live. Yes, not I. I live. Yes, not I. You can make that your, uh, on your website. I'll put you on your website. I live, yet not I. I live, yet not I. But to make, it, to make sense of it, then you can add, but Christ. <laughs> but Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I live, yet not I, but Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ. I live, yet not I, but When they ask what about Christ, he lives in me. Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, physical life I'm living, I live 
by faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave. So that's why you can't, how can you be a Christian without faith? Amen. You have to come to church by faith. Yes. You have to give by faith. Yes. You have to forgive by faith. Yes. You have to love by faith. Yes. You have to serve by faith. Yes. You have to sing by faith. Amen. And you have to pray by faith. Yes. You have to humble yourself by faith. Yes. Whatever we do in Christ, it must be I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in. And the life that I now live, I live by, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says that we were buried with him in baptism. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Oh, oh. You, something must die. You have not been baptized. That's why you are still struggling with this addiction. Something must die. Get under the water and leave the addiction under it. <laughs> yeah, you are going there, but you don't stay there. Why? Because until you go buried, you can't experience resurrection. There always must be, watch this, there always must be burial before resurrection. So he said, we are buried, and therefore we are buried in Christ through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so. Do you mind saying, even so? Even so. What does that mean? Just as Christ, even so. The same way. So if you want to experience the resurrection of Christ, the even so resurrection, then you must also go through the burial. So baptism is so powerful. It's very powerful. You have to be baptized. Because when you are baptized, it's a sign that you are crucified. Crucified with Christ. You have been buried with Christ. So that, why am I being buried? Why do I have to be buried? Because you have to experience the resurrection. So go through the, your, your journey, your destination is resurrection. But the root is burial. So you have to go through the means of burial so that you can experience. Watch this. Said so. Even so, just as Christ was raised, even so, watch this, you should walk. After baptism, you walk in newness of life. Your style is changed. You are a new person. You are walking. If you are not being baptized, you are not really ready to experience the actual newness of life in Christ Jesus. You see how important baptism is? Why is it that churches don't teach? And those who teach make it a religious thing. You have to baptize. Be baptized. Can you tell me why? And you are not allowed to ask questions. Wow. So you are not believing. No, 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 no. I want a reason to believe. I'm not trying to say I want to doubt. But can you give me a reason for my believing? Religious people don't like reasoning. They only like commanding. Do it. That shall not, that shall, that shall not, that shall, that shall not, that shall not sin, that shall not sin, that shall not that, that shall not that, that shall not that. And some of you try a few thou shall, and you realize that this thing is not for me. I'm asking you the truth. You realize that this thou shall thing is not for me. I've tried the thou shall, I've thou shall, 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 it. Not thou shalt not, but thou shalt it. And walk in newness of life. Amen. That's why you get born again. 
that's why we get baptized. Sorry, that's why we get baptized. When you are born again, you have to get baptized. Yeah. How many of you know why I wear this ring? Are you sure? Yes. Why am I wearing this ring? Get up, please. Why is she? Uh, this thing looks like a lot of diamonds. My own is even not diamond. Can we exchange it? <laughs> Why is she wearing this? Is she a beautiful lady? Yes. But as soon as you see this, you know that now. Why am I wearing this? Am I married? Yes. Hold it for me. Am I married? Yes. So does it make a difference? If I remove it, if I don't wear it, doesn't mean I'm not, I'm still married. Yeah. But when I wear it, it's just a, a clear indication to everybody that I'm married. Wait, wait, give me your Bible. Can I use anywhere? This is Psalm 22. I, I like Psalm 22. The verse, uh, verse 3, uh, but thou inhabit. Okay, see, you can't see it, but there's something here. Look at this. I'm using the highlighter. If I use the highlighter to highlight this, does it change anything? Doesn't change what is written. Yeah. What does it do? It just makes it stand out. Yeah. Oh, wow, these guys are amazing. You see? Okay, let me look for now. My God, my God, why have I forsaken me? And and I, I highlight it. It has not added anything to the text. It just highlights it. When you are born again and you get baptized, it doesn't add to your salvation. Do you understand that? Being baptized is not what gets you born again. So you can go to heaven without being baptized. The thief on the cross. Luke, Luke 23, 43. said, today you shall be. Did he get baptized? No. So baptism is not to make you go to heaven. What makes you go to heaven is because you are in Christ. Now, but why do we need baptism? I explain it. Newness of life. You are enforcing that. You are making a statement. I'm in covenant. And that's why baptism is not private. It's public. People yeah. must be there to see it, to witness it. And you are making a public statement to everybody that, listen, I'm in this for real. Wow. Did you get something? God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Carriage Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.